Welcome, everyone, again to Talking Home Care, a podcast of the Home Care Alliance of Massachusetts. I'm your host, Pat Kelleher. I'm the Executive Director of the Home Care Alliance of Massachusetts. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking all things politics. Now, before you click the stop button, let me say a couple of things. There'll be no partisan mudslinging on this podcast, no allegations about ballot box shenanigans. As Politico says, we're just covering the election facts and, of course, what those facts mean for home care in 2019 and going forward. To do that, I'm going to be happy to turn a large part of the conversation over to two people who spend a great deal of time in their working lives intersecting with elected officials and doing so on behalf of home care agencies and their clients. So welcome to Talking Home Care, Calvin McDaniel, Director of Government Affairs for the National Association for Home Care and Hospice, and Jake Krilovich, Director of Government Affairs here at the Home Care Alliance of Massachusetts. Welcome to you both. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Okay, Jake, uh, why don't you set the stage in terms of what happened in November um, and the midterm elections? Yeah, sure. So thanks thanks for having me join you today, Pat. Um, so, I, you know, I think by this point, most people have, have heard through the news and, and what, what most happened last week. But uh, for the sake of putting our conversation with Calvin into context, let me just run through a few quick bullet points here. Um, so as you know, the uh, midterm elections happened last week. Uh, Democrats regained control of the House of Representatives down in Washington, D.C. Uh, as of a half an hour ago, they've gained about 35 seats, uh, and they'll hold a majority of about 230 seats uh, to the Republicans' 198 seats. Um, that's expected to change a little bit with, I think, six or seven seats that have not been called yet. Um, on the Senate side, Republicans maintained control of the U.S. Senate. Uh, they've picked up one seat uh, as of this morning. Uh, and expanded their majority to 51 seats to Democrats, 47 seats. Uh, it's important to note uh, there are two seats that are uncalled. One will head to a runoff in Mississippi, and then Florida is going through a recount process, which everyone is uh, watching on the news. And then on the state level, uh, overall throughout the nation, Democrats flipped approximately 400 state legislative seats uh, nationwide. They flipped seven Republican-held governor seats, and they took full control of the legislature and governor's mansions in seven states. Um, so that's a, a pretty good pickup for Democrats on that side, on the state level, which often impacts home care. And then lastly, just uh, as a policy point, three states, uh, Idaho, Nebraska, and Utah, all voted to expand Medicaid. And then the fourth state, Maine, uh, had just recently elected a Democratic governor who will probably do the same. Uh, voters in 2016 voted by ballot to expand it, but their governor the last two years refused to do so. And then lastly, uh, to set Calvin up, um, overall, about 116 million voters turned out uh, last Tuesday. That represented over 45% of eligible voters, and it was the largest midterm voter turnout in 104 years. Um, so, yeah pretty significant. Um, but without further ado, uh, as Pat mentioned in her introduction, our guest today is Calvin McDaniel. He's the Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Home Care and Hospice. He oversees legislative priorities for NAC, and we've enjoyed working with him over the last couple of years on uh, many issues in DC, and I look forward to seeing him in a couple of weeks uh, when the HCA goes down there. Uh, but welcome, Calvin, and, and thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me, guys, and certainly looking forward to having you all and then um, a lot of folks from across the nation coming in uh, for fly-in end of the month. Yeah, who would have thought a lame duck fly-in? 
caught me up. I'm surprised, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, before we get into the more uh, industry-specific uh, stuff, you know, what's your general thoughts from last week, and, and what's the, the buzz in, inside the Beltway down there in D.C.? Well, kind of like those results you just listed off, um, I think they're fairly consistent with what a lot of folks, myself included, thought would happen. Uh, you know, in the Senate, I was guessing that uh, Republicans would pick up a seat or two, and um, that's right where they are right now, uh, likely to pick up two, I'm betting. Um, and then House, um, I think a lot of folks saw a uh, changing of the tide with a lot of Democrats coming into office. Um, I was guessing about 35 or so, and it looks like that'll probably be exceeded maybe up to 40 uh, when it's all said and done. State houses, a lot of those flipping, the governor flipping. I wasn't paying close attention to that, um, but I think that's almost an even split across the nation of uh, who's in control of the governor's mansions. Um, now, as far as what's going on inside the Beltway, um, like like you mentioned, there's still a few seats to be settled, but both parties have moved on to leadership elections. Uh, the GOP actually just held theirs uh, yesterday. Uh, Kevin McCarthy came out as the leader, as was expected. Uh, Steve Scalise will hold on to his whip position. Uh, but a little change up um, in the conference chair, uh, what was formerly Kathy McMorris Rogers' job uh, will now be Liz Cheney. Um, we've got some high drama, though, on the Democratic side. Um, Nancy Pelosi, the longtime leader of the party, is somewhat under siege um, by group of um, some incumbents as well as uh, newly elected representatives, um, maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 or so um, are looking to uh, push her out. And that's what's announced publicly. They're declaring that there's even more that um, just haven't uh, publicly stated their position yet. Uh, she's very confident saying she 100% will be speaker in the next Congress. Um, other side saying, no, you won't. Um, I imagine ultimately she will come out as speaker. There's just going to be a lot of negotiating uh, along the way. Those negotiations are likely to be uh, things like committee uh, positions, uh, maybe some other leadership positions doled out, uh, maybe some commitments to legislative priorities. Um, the problem is that there's just not much of a bench uh, to pull leadership from. So who it could be besides her, nobody really has a great answer to that. Um, next on the list behind her, though, Steny Hoyer. Um, he is running for the majority leader position unopposed. It's almost assuredly his. Um, next up down, though, the whip position. Uh, historically, Jim Clyburn from South Carolina has been a third ranking member um, and seems like a shoo-in for that spot. But Diane DeGette from Colorado will be contesting him for that. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of the big stuff in D.C. right now. Um, they're trying to figure out what they're wanting to do with the lame duck session. Uh, in my meetings on the Hill this week, it still seems like that's getting sorted out. Uh, there, there is a CR, um, basically funding for the federal government that needs to get straightened out by December 7th. Uh, the big contentious issue there is that President Trump will likely be pushing hard uh, for funding for his border wall. Democrats won't be supporting that. Um, they have no incentive to at this point, especially since they'll be take a majority in a couple of months. Um, yet to be seen is how much uh, President Trump wants to dig in on that, though, if he is willing to shut the government down over it. 
broadly speaking, you know, is there any indication what the 116th Congress might look to accomplish? Um, I, I think they probably have until January 2020 before uh, presidential elections heat up, and then you're going to just kind of see the general operations that Congress looks to do uh, between then and the election. But, you know, anything like immigration or infrastructure or healthcare fixes that they might all agree on that they might try and push through to campaign on in 2020? Uh, I don't think we're going to see any big changes anywhere. Um, the best chance of that might be criminal justice reform. Uh, they're working on that right now. I think there's hope to get it done in the lame duck. If not, it'll probably spill over to the next Congress. And that's bipartisan. So there's a good shot there. Um, my longstanding thought was that infrastructure was probably uh, the best bet for bipartisanship in the next Congress. I mean, it's no secret that nationwide, uh, you know, roads are crumbling, bridges are crumbling. They need to be addressed. So I think there's an opportunity there, but that will come with a price tag and that'll have some delicate wrangling to get around. Yeah. Immigration, I don't think we'll see anything on. Um, you know, maybe the House wants to do something to push out. But it's not likely to likely to go anywhere in the Senate. Uh, so if anything, it would be a symbolic vote in the House. And I'm not sure if leadership there will want to, you know, put up a vote that uh, could put some of their members in a bad position. So we'll see about that. Um, I don't think we'll see anything on tax cuts. Uh, what happened this past year with um, the package that got pushed through did not play well with anyone in America, uh, not anyone, but a lot of America did not care for it. Um, so much so that Republicans weren't even campaigning on it. Um, right. So I doubt we see much there. Um, particular interest to home care is what's going on with Medicare. Uh, I don't think we'll see anything, any big reforms there. Um, you know, and that's not exactly a bad thing. Um, I think there's always going to be an interest in tinkering with Medicare and both parties. So this might actually play well for us where, uh, Congress looks at what smaller things can get achieved um, and become law that will play well with constituents back home. Right. So we have these kind of smaller issues that say that non-physician practitioner bill allowing, you know, middle providers uh, the authority to certify home care orders. I think I think that one um, could have a good chance here. Yeah. Um, we'll have to figure out scoring and have to figure out um, the right people to talk to in Congress, but that one could have a good shot. Right. Um, our PDGM legislation of the behavioral assumptions, that one shouldn't come up with much of a score at all. Um, and, you know, that that's an easy fix that um, could be a big win for us. So I think that's probably where we'll end up in the 116. Yeah. And, and I mean, what do you think about how, what are we going to be seeing with the House and Senate? How are they going to, how are they going to get along? I mean, obviously it's a split government down there, but um, you know, myself, sometimes I feel, you know, optimistic that when you have a divided government, you know, more, more things can be compromised on so that things can get passed. Um, I think we see it sometimes here in Massachusetts where we'll often elect a Republican governor. Uh, do you, know, is it just going to be gridlock, um, and, and grandstanding or, or do you think there is any opportunity for compromise down there between the two chambers? I think you're more optimistic than I am. <laughs> uh, uh, I think you guys are in a unique state where, um, yeah. Partisanship isn't so notable, uh, and I, I think you're fortunate for that. Um, yeah, those few areas of where they're going to find agreement are going to be few and far between. Uh, I think at a minimum, they will figure out ways to fund the government and keep that open because government shutdown is not a good look for anybody. Um, you know, In the Senate, 
there's going to be at least the AG that needs to be confirmed, whoever the nominee is for that. Um, there's possibilities that we're going to need a new Secretary of Homeland Security. That would require confirmation. That's Those are kind of big time sucks for the Senate. Um, and on top of that, I think there's a very healthy appetite to mm-hmm. confirm judges. Um, that's been one of uh, Leader McConnell's uh, main goals. Um, I do think it's going to be gridlock. We'll say infighting. I don't know how ugly it'll be, um, but there's just not going to be, I think, a lot of compromise. Um, the state of American politics right now is it is partisan. It's very tribal, and people are receding to their respective corners. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, the elephant in the room without getting into it is are the investigations and the oversight that Democrats are promising uh, to to take on? And, and I think that'll also contribute to it. Um, but, you know, as it relates to health care, uh, you know, is there any major activity we'll see? I know that there was a bipartisan agreement. Um, I think it was uh, in the HELP Committee, uh, you know, for an ACA fix regarding the market stability and the, the cost sharing reduction payments. Uh, do you think we'll see movement on that? Is there is there at least an agreement that we need to stabilize the, the Obamacare Affordable Care Act markets? You bring up a good point that um, there was an effort in the HELP Committee in the Senate uh, to figure out some of these ACA stabilization fixes. Um, uh, we've been fortunate to have great leadership from both sides with Lamar Alexander from Tennessee and Patty Murray from uh, Washington, um, really working well together and coming up with some common sense solutions. Uh, there has not been a similar effort on the House side, but I think we will see that now that Democrats are back in control. I mean, obviously, a Democratic president put ACA in place, and they're going to do everything they can to protect that, strengthen it, and make sure it uh, continues on um, as best it possibly can. Um, I think what it's going to come down to is, can that uh, momentum, can that desire maintain in the Senate, yeah. um, and can they get enough buy-in from the rest of the Senate at large uh, to pursue these fixes? Um, you know, And then after that, it's going to require a uh, signature of a president who has uh, ridiculed ridiculed it widely. Um, maybe there's a veto-proof majority uh, supporting it. Maybe not. Um, but that that will be an interesting one to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, and shifting, you know, more specific to to home care and, and the the issues that you're fighting for and that we come down and try and help you on. Um, you know, I know that we're looking right now. Our members and, and, and your members are familiar with the, the PDGM and, and CMS's proposal. Um, and, and the major opposition we have to it, of course, is the, the 6.42% cut uh, that CMS is proposing on on presumed behavioral adjustments that they think providers will change in, in how they operate. Um, and I know, I know we have a bill that would, would change that and, and kind of strip CMS's ability to do that on, a, on an assumption level and make it on an evidence-based level. Um, so I know that we're looking towards the lame duck session between now and January for some fixes. But beyond that, do you think there's an opportunity to get this fix um, in any major actions in the next Congress? And do you think it would be on a standalone bill? Or do you think, like most things that happen in, in legislatures these days, they, they come in big packages and it'll end up in some sort of uh, package? You know, to the first question, I think, I think we have a very good shot at it. Um, we have some really great champions on both sides uh, the aisle in both chambers of Congress. Um, we've been fortunate that, you know, through this election process, we really only lost one champion on this matter. Well, I'm technically not even lost it yet. Uh, Bill Nelson out of Florida. Um, who knows what happens there? But if so, 
um, will still remain in a good position with Senator Collins out of Maine and Stabenow out of Michigan. Um, and then our two gentlemen in Louisiana, Senators Kennedy and Cassidy. Um, and then a strong uh, group over in the House as well that will all be back for the 116th. Um, I think our, ch our challenge right now is that it is a relatively new issue. So when we try and get in front of, you know, the senators and representatives and their staff, it's getting them up to speed. Um, some of them is just a reminder from the HHGM battle last year and that yeah. this is a continuation of it. Some of them are new to the matter. Um, so getting them up to speed on it. And we're just keeping everybody updated on where we are and what we're hoping to see. Um, I think that's going to be our biggest challenge right now. But like I said, we got great champions heading into the next Congress. Um, and, you know, as we are talking about earlier, I think there's going to be some desires to figure out what little small things can be done to improve the Medicare program. And this could fit in nicely with that. Yeah. And then, you know, backing off of that, my next question, you know, is I know right now the immediate focus is PDGM and that, and that fix, but obviously we have some bills. You mentioned the, the nurse practitioner bill that we, uh, allowing nurse practitioners to order home health. Um, are there any other priorities that you think that could have a path towards enactment in the next, in the next Congress with the democratic house, um, you know, or, or even beyond those bills that we've already produced, um, you know, again, the optimistic person at my am, but uh, like something on workforce, a, a widespread workforce bill or, or anything like that? Yeah, um, maybe not as much of an issue in Massachusetts, but we're going to be picking the rural add-on back up again. Mm -hmm. uh, for those not aware, it got extended under some weird circumstances earlier this year. Um, we've already started some conversations there uh, with leaders on the Hill and um, already getting some interest on um, taking another look yep. at that. Uh, workforce stuff, it's a problem. Um, we don't have the answers yet. We're working through some different coalitions and work groups on coming up with some solutions that we can pursue. But we, we're hearing it when we're on the Hill from especially these um, Western states that they're having a hard time. Um, it's prevalent everywhere, but particularly those more rural states that, you know, they're, they're looking to us for answers and uh, we're going to try and provide those to them. Um, but, you know, this is much bigger than just home care. I think healthcare at large, um, other industries as well are struggling with workforce problems. So, um, yeah, we'll be we'll be taking a look at that as well. Um, any other issues? We've got the face-to-face um, -face physician certification. Um, that's kind of been a longstanding one um, as part of the ACA, actually, in different forms and uh, variations. Um, and CMS's rule this year, they're kind of addressing it. Um, we're kind of waiting to see some more information of how they're implementing what they're talking about. Um, so maybe that revives itself as an issue. Maybe we finally have, or CMS will finally um, act in a way that's, you know, getting rid of the burdens off of providers and physicians. Um, but that's yet to be seen. And for that, do you see a more like a? Con I know what you're saying by they've kind of hinted at some fixes to it. But do you do you see any of the stabilization bills that might come for the ACA as a vehicle for that face-to-face -face fix? Possibly. It's you know they have any ways of doing these things. Um, it seems to be for a lot of Medicare issues, they're usually packaged together. Um, the the votes that go one off are typically more symbolic or. Um, need the extra attention. Um, I don't think we'll um, fall into one of those. I, I foresee us being more in some sort of larger Medicare package. 
All right. Um, my last question here before I turn it over to Pat, uh, you know, for a long time here, at least in the, the past several years, Massachusetts has been somewhat um, neutral down there and, and we haven't had a whole lot of influence. Um, but I think there's some excitement uh, up here from political junkies who, are, who have been craving the Massachusetts delegation to, to gain some influence uh, down in D.C. And so, you know, as you know, Representative Richard Neal of Massachusetts is expected to take over chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, uh, and then longtime hair, home care champion uh, Rep. Jim McGovern will expected to take uh, the committee of the Rules Committee, uh, chairmanship of the Rules Committee. Um, beyond those two changes, are there any other major committee changes that you think we could expect to see? Uh, I know you touched a little bit on it uh, as it relates to uh, Leader Pelosi and her her bid for Speaker. Um, and then, you know, you don't have to get into all the committees, but mostly as they relate to health care and, um, you know, our issues. So, yeah, we are thrilled to have uh, the soon-to-be Chairman Neal uh, taking over Ways and Means. Uh, I know everybody in Massachusetts will be as well. Um, behind him, though, on the health subcommittee, it's looking like Lloyd Doggett out of Texas will be taking over the chairmanship there. Um, now, and as far as energy and commerce, uh, again, soon to be Chairman Frank Pallone from New Jersey will be taking over. Um, and it's looking like Anna Eshoo from California will be taking over um, the health subcommittee. Um, that committee also has uh, Congressman Kennedy from Massachusetts. Um, he's he's a little lower in the totem pole there. I mean, he's somewhat new to the committee, uh, somewhat new to being a representative, but you know, he'll certainly be bumping up the chain of command, and I think we're pretty thrilled uh, to see that happening. As far as the rest of uh, the Massachusetts delegation goes, uh, Catherine Clark will be on the Appropriations Committee, um, and Seth Moulton will be on the Budget Committee. Um, obviously, those aren't our primary committees, but they do hold some jurisdiction over some of our matters, um, so we'll be happy to see them there. It's, it's nice to hear this discussion, Calvin and Jake, about um, the Massachusetts delegation um, gaining some um, uh, influence on matters before the U.S. Congress. I'd like to sort of jump in and, and, and say, what does that mean for our Massachusetts home health agencies? I think, Calvin, sometimes this kind of political fatigue among our members who think maybe my voice doesn't matter, maybe I, if I weigh in, no one's going to hear me. Um, can you speak to, you know, what moves Washington and, and, and the fact that um, maybe these elected officials are listening to what we have to say and the, the power we need to sort of um, coalesce in our industry to get things done and speak directly to our membership and other home care agencies who might be listening about the need to get engaged? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally understand this political fatigue you talked about. I mean, it's, it's just constantly in your face, the news, commercials, your friends, Facebook, every, it's always ever present. Um, and I can understand why, you know, folks start to think that, you know, their voice doesn't matter. But the fact of the matter is it does. Um, two great examples come to mind for me to demonstrate this. Uh, last year, when we were, saw the ACA repeal and replace effort happening over the summer, you know, these Republican representatives that were wanting to vote um, to repeal and replace it would doing town halls or they'd be on the community and just getting yelled at and screamed at, please don't take my care away. Um, and you hear stories uh, from these folks about what an impact it made on them and how nervous they were to vote against it um, or for it, I should say. Um, and then we saw that kind of come to fruition through this election cycle. Um, big wipeout of what Republicans there were in California, mainly over this ACA repeal and replace effort People pay attention. Um, voices matter. Votes matter. Um, 
and elected officials know that. Um, you know, from my time on the Hill, and I'm sure Jay can echo this from his time on the Hill as well, uh, constantly getting calls and messages uh, from folks back home wanting to, you know, make their opinion and their stance known. That stuff gets recorded. Uh, you know, the members are aware of what's coming in and uh, wh where people's mindsets are at. Um, so you, you, you guys see these messages from me all the time. Please go to our Legislative Action Network. Uh, please weigh in, send the letters, uh, put in the phone calls. Um, these things matter, and we wouldn't waste our time on if they didn't. I know you guys have a system as well, and uh, I'm sure it's uh, proven to be just as valuable. And I think closer to home last year, um, Calvin, um, NAC, with the support from the state associations like ours and the industry, was able to get CMS to back off the HHGM. Now we have it back, as you already talked about, in the new payment form, but um, the HHGM was much more destructive to the industry. And I think it was a grassroots effort led by um, NAC and others that um, led to the fact that we're not going into that system right now. Yeah, uh, you know, just to add data to that, um, we, through, you know, the industry's work, through all our providers, all these agencies work, we had half of the Senate and pretty dang close to half of the House signing on to letters to go to CMS and saying, you know, back off this thing. This is, you know, pretty risky what you're doing. And it worked. I mean, that's that's all the evidence I need that, um, you know, making your opinion known works. Absolutely. And I want to turn it back to Jake. Uh, Jake mentioned the, the term fly in um, at the beginning of the podcast, which is essentially saying that some of the advocates for the industry are going to be in Washington at the end of the month um, in this lame duck session, just jump starting the conversation about the fixes we need in PDGM. Um, and then we will be turning to the members as the new Congress comes in January to sort of stand behind us. Um, Jake or Calvin, to close out the podcast, is there anything, again, you want to say about that particular effort? Or, um, Calvin, you mentioned the NAC website, our website, thinkhomecare.org, has an advocacy center on it. Is there anything else, Jake, that you want to um, ask Calvin, say to Calvin, or say to the listeners? No, I mean, yeah, I think we're, we're, you're going to see, so we're going down to DC in, in a couple weeks, um, and that's fighting for the lame duck session, but it's also looking ahead towards next session. We'll be meeting with Rep McGovern and, and Rep Neal, who will be taking over the chairmanships. So it's kind of a two-pronged visit trying to get a lame duck move here on PDGM, um, but then also uh, try and set ourselves up for next session. And so, you know, I, I encourage our members to keep an eye out for advocacy alerts and, and keeping up to date with our, our actions down there in DC. And then looking ahead to next year, I, I encourage our members to continue looking out for our action alerts. Um, and then as well as, you know, there's a few different events throughout the year that happen down there in DC, uh, where we invite members to, to attend and fly down to DC uh, and, and experience what it is to go into a, a member of Congress's office. Uh, it can be an exciting thing uh, and something that I think everyone should do, whether it's for work or for a personal issue they care about, um, but just staying engaged and, and looking ahead for the next two years. But I, I'll, I'll welcome Calvin to uh, close it out and offer any other uh, thoughts. Yeah, really just echoing what you said. I mean, these in-person meetings mean a lot. Uh, you know, members of Congress, their staff, they know that it's it's effort and it's, you know, expensive to come to D.C., uh, so they certainly put a priority on these meetings, and I think they really appreciate hearing uh, from folks back home. And I think it really just shows uh, it's a demonstration of how important uh, these issues are when people will actually come to D.C. to discuss them. 
so we certainly encourage uh, folks to get engaged and come on down to, to DC. Um, I know you guys have been great leaders on this and um, having a presence in DC for all these flying days. Yeah, I think, I don't know who it once said, I think it's both something like, um, before the elected officials care to know your issue, they need to know that you really care about the issue. Yeah. And going down there and talking to them in person really says, this is important to me, to my patients, to my agency, to my staff. So um, I couldn't agree more. Um, I want to thank Calvin McDaniel, Government Affairs Director for the National Association for Home Care. Jay Krilovitz, the Director of Government Affairs for the Home Care Alliance of Massachusetts. Thank you for listening to Talking Home Care. If you enjoy the podcast, um, like it on uh, Apple iTunes, and please stay tuned for our next edition of Talking Home Care. Talking Home Care is a production of the Home Care Alliance of Massachusetts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information about our association, visit us at www.thinkhomecare.org. Thank you.